With gratitude, we would like to acknowledge that Foundry Ridge Meadows is on the unceded, ancestral, traditional, and territorial land of the Catesy and Kwantlen people. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Peers in a Pod. Today, I'm joined by Charlene, the caregiver support worker at Foundry Ridge Meadows, to talk a little bit about what caregiver support looks like. So maybe we can just start off with a little brief introduction for yourself and we talk a little bit about what caregiver support is and and kind of what it might look like for people coming into the foundry. Hi, I'm Charlene, and I just want you to know that uh, peer support is such a valuable thing. You know, we all need someone to bounce ideas off each other. And as a peer supporter, I have lived experience. My son is 24 now, and I was a single mom, and uh, I have a lot of experience with the challenging teenage years. And I also am a youth worker, and so... um, I live and breathe uh, teenagers and their issues, so I'm a good person to kind of bounce ideas off of and, um, yeah, just kind of find out what's kind of typical for teenage behavior and maybe what some areas of concern are, and it's just nice to be able to talk about what's going on and share your struggles because it takes a village, truly. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that as we've gone through these episodes of the podcast, we've talked numerous times about like the the values and the virtues of peer support and having somebody who has has walked in those shoe steps or at least similar ones, right, and kind of trod a, a similar path. And there's nothing quite like that feeling of understanding that you can get with somebody who has kind of like lived it, right, and, and who can be like, oh, I remember that. Yeah, that seems familiar to me. When you start talking about it, um, yeah. So, what what might a typical interaction be like for somebody who's coming in for caregiver support, possibly for the first time? So, really, it's just come in and uh, tell me what's going on, and uh, what that could look like is something happened where you're really concerned about your kid, and you need to. Um, kind of debrief uh, a stressful situation or maybe there's a lot of conflict in the home and you're you need some strategies to figure out how to better communicate uh, with your teenager and so it's not so conflictual at home all the time and we do talk a lot about uh, self-care and what we're doing to take care of ourselves so that we can be better supports for our kids because we all know that the Teenage brain means they're not developed, so that means they don't always think. Um, They're impulsive, and they can say things, mean things, and we have to kind of have some armor on to kind of go through those tough times. So uh, taking care of yourself is very important so you can kind of go through the ups and downs with the kids. So what, what does self-care like look like for, for you on like a, on a personal level? Like what are some things that you've utilized in your own circumstances that have, that have helped you? Mm-hmm. Well, definitely talking to friends, uh, though sometimes friends don't quite understand when there are some extra challenges, challenges with substances and mental health issues. So um, talking about it with professionals for sure is, is a form of self-care, but uh, also getting to nature and uh, being outside and practicing some mindfulness and uh, 
breathing and meditation and sometimes writing in a journal helps and you know uh, just kind of getting outside of your brain because we just think 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 all the time and we kind of beat ourselves up what we didn't do what we should be doing and we can't do it all so what can we do right now is just you know go outside take a few breaths and uh, kind of re-evaluate where we're at and 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 you know get back to the basics that nature is very important for us yeah that's awesome Something that that kind of came to my mind as, as we've already been talking and, and here for those of you who have listened to the podcast before come the start of the tangents, maybe of like, it, it just kind of came to me of how everything is is life is really a continuation of like firsts for people a lot of time, right? Like as you're a teenager, and I think a lot of parents and a lot of, you know, youth have probably heard the opposite ends of this of, you know, parents being like, you know, I was a kid once, right? And you know, I, I understand this and all that kind of stuff, right? And I feel like comparisons are a, a dangerous ground to be in sometimes, for sure. Um, but I, I thought it was interesting to to kind of maybe pick your brain about the idea of how a lot of times parents, these are, this is a first for parents too, right? We've never had to sometimes take care of a, a kid and then never had to take care of two kids at the same time. Or, you know, you've never parented a 13-year-old or whatever. It's always a learning experience. It's always a first, right? So I guess how... How can you support yourself maybe of like coming through the expectations that maybe you should know what you're doing or like I'm sure there must be a lot of doubts that come into a parent's mind of like I don't know what I'm doing am I making the right decision by my kid by by saying they should or shouldn't do this or prohibiting from them doing certain things like how do you reconcile with yourself that you have no idea what's going on probably. Yeah, the first, yes, and what what worked for one kid doesn't work for another, and what worked for you might not be working for your kids, and to kind of have an open mind about that, um, and being open to their experience, and and talking to them about what uh, your teenager is saying to you. Um, we would love our kids to learn the lessons that, those tough lessons, so we don't have to see them in pain and listen but uh, not many kids learn that way we learn by experience and by failing and picking ourselves back up and so you know instead of telling people what they should or shouldn't be doing is what's your experience and how can we get you back to where you want to be and kind of going from that lens because uh, I mean my parents tried to tell me what to do and uh, what worked for them didn't work for me and I had to learn those tough lessons on my own and it's okay for kids to learn tough lessons as long as they're learning them and moving on and growing and um, that's part of life and what we want is resilient kids yeah so it it really sounds to me like you know uh, less kind of like talking through like what what to avoid like oh if, if this happens this is what you should do and and it almost sounds like experiencing it along with your kids right like you can learn those tough lessons by going through it and it's going to be hard and then being there alongside your kid to be like you know I'm I'm here with you through this right 
Yeah, alongside is a good way to yeah. not to say, you know, we got to educate our kids. We got to tell yeah. our kids what's out there. We got to give them all the information so they can make informed decisions. But and and they are going to do things that we don't want them to do and put themselves at risk and, you know, make mistakes. But it's, it's how we recover from mistakes that uh, are those lessons that we want them to learn and grow. Right. Like the I guess the the idea of of growing resiliency is is not shielding yourself from danger in the first place it's getting hurt and then seeing that you can move beyond that and kind of incorporate it into yourself and you've now grown tougher where you were hurt before right i i can't even imagine right because you're seeing this this little thing that has innocence from when it was when it was born right to to you probably as a parent being able to see some telltale signs of some suffering and stuff like that and then to let it happen is i would imagine there's nothing more counterintuitive like watching than that. the train wreck yeah you know we can stop it but it's happening and what do you what are you doing <laughs> we know that it was yeah. going to happen but the brain isn't developed when you're a teenager and so you don't see the action consequence like a fully developed brain does as adults so that's what makes it harder for us to watch because it's like we know <laughs> there's going to be some consequences and we want you to not be hurt and here we are yeah so speaking of that it kind of i think segues into one of our uh, first talking points kind of nicely how would you kind of talk through a parent who maybe is it, like maybe sees the the value of that but is having a hard time communicating it with their youth with their with their child like what are some tips or skills they can begin to develop to actually like speak you know their point of view and kind of create a cohesive like relationship between them and their youth. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, listening is uh, the toughest thing for people, humans. We are already uh, like conjuring up our answers before someone's finished telling the story. So, really, uh, you know, listening to what they're saying. And um, there's a technique called emotion coaching um, through emotion focus family therapy. Thank you. And uh, it starts with validating uh, your kid where they're at, what they're feeling. And so, you know, validating doesn't mean you agree with, but you can understand or you can imagine how someone is feeling in the moment and really acknowledging um, what they could be going through um, is a huge thing. And it feels good to be listened to and understood. So that's the validating process. And then you know, moving on to offering different supports and what that looks like could be, you know, some time, some hugs, what does that go for a walk together, reconnecting, you know, the we focus so much on technology now and we're so plugged in that, you know, the going for a walk and talk is um, such a basic thing. <laughs> you know, sharing a meal together is such a basic thing, but they're important. And if we think back to if I think back to my childhood, those are moments in time where I value now that maybe I didn't like so much at the time because it was taking away from my friends. But to have that drive in the car with my mom talking to me about things I don't want to talk to my mom about, yeah. you know, I still remember it's like, oh, okay, you know, that was a really important time um, to be acknowledged that things were hard and they are there for 
for me. So I think that's such an like a important thing to consider too. Like your the idea of sometimes you you look back and now you appreciate those moments of of having those quiet times and, and talking about some of the more serious things in life, right? And as as a as a kid, you're definitely like, this is terrible. I'm uncomfortable, right? I don't want to talk about this stuff. And then I think it is a weird process that you start to do as you kind of mature where you start to appreciate that time because I think it's easier to recognize the effort that that person put in because it's not that it isn't uncomfortable for that other person, but they recognize the importance of having that conversation. Like it when you were talking about that, it kind of immediately brought me back to this moment when I was uh, young, probably like seven, eight, we used to play kick the can in the dark all the time with, with me and my cousins. And if you were out first, my uncle Dean would take you over to like the side of the fence and he'd have a life talk with you because you would be waiting so long and he'd just sit by the fence with you and he'd just, he'd just check in on you. He'd just see like what's up and he'd ask you how you are. And, and looking back, I actually really remember those conversations now and it, it would kind of, it's just a very stark difference to how I perceived them when I was younger, for sure. I definitely value that time more now. And then the reason why I say walk and talk or drive in the car is because that sitting in front of someone and looking at them makes it that much more uncomfortable. So a side-by-side conversation allows for, you know, just, you know, no eye contact. But, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to look someone in the eye and have those hard conversations and just know what's uncomfortable for the parent, too, and the teenager. Yeah. You know, it's hard. And there, there's something unifying about being able to be uncomfortable with other people. And I think that's something that I think is, a, is a, almost like a universal uh, social skill is kind of acknowledging the awkwardness that you're in together. And then it kind of puts you guys on the same team, right? I, I suppose the next thing I, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you, you mentioned a couple things that uh, kind of can maybe make a situation a little bit more difficult than some people might realize. You mentioned like substance use or conflicts in the home and stuff like that. Um, you know, what, what are some trends that, you know, we can be area specific that you've noticed in, in our kind of Fraser Valley area or so that, that caregivers might be coming up against that makes dealing and kind of making a relationship with their youth a little bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. It's a hard one that the trend that I, wanted to kind of talk about was uh, the the need for diagnosis and uh, you know I just people are struggling at home and, and there's all these behaviors going on and diagnosis does help um, but there's also a lot of things you can do for kids that are struggling in general which is you know getting them connected to services or you know like checking in with the school, where are they at? Do they have a safe adult to talk to? And and making sure that there are people around, like wraparound care, so that, you know, if the kid isn't coming to you, if there is conflict, they've got someone. And it's totally normal to have conflict in the home as teenagers. That's what their job is, to kind of push back on all the boundaries that we give them to make them safe and all of that it's so it's pretty typical tip typical to have conflict but uh, not everything is you know uh, because of a diagnosis like a mental health and you know um, the term anxiety is is well used and 
you know, a lot of kids will talk about I have anxiety and, and the fact is, is that everybody has anxiety. It keeps us alive. It's just, is the anxiety keeping you from living, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, so, it, you know, things like mindfulness and, and making sure that people have people in their corner to talk to and talk about strategies to cope are, are things that, you know, everybody needs. Everybody needs people even though some people don't think they do yeah yeah there's there's certainly a lot of people that i think would like to believe they're fully self-sufficient and you know if if they could only uh be perfectly alone then then they would feel a lot better right and you know not knocking on anybody can you know it's whatever path you want to follow towards what what you believe will make you better i think you should you should seek it through and you should see if it works for you right? Because you'll never know otherwise if, if you don't try. Um, there's something that I wanted to touch on. There's a couple, I feel like, mental health buzzwords that have kind of cropped up over a number of years. I feel like people saying they have anxiety is one of them, right? And, and um, you know, I, I'm, I'm depressed. And, uh, you know, there's, I think, a lot of a lot of feelings and emotions that we tend to attach to these kind of buzzwords of um, just a lot of other things that are going on in your life. And, and maybe it, it's useful to kind of unpack that. And I think mindfulness is another buzzword that people tend to use. And it's kind of like, what do we mean when we say these words? What does it actually mean to be mindful, right? Because I think everybody kind of just starts to, to say these because they hear them. And it's useful to describe because you're like, that's kind of how I feel. Right. I am filled with anxiety all the time. Right. Um, and, and it kind of goes along with what you're saying about with diagnosis and, and stuff like that. So um, kind of unpacking a little bit like anxiety, like you said, everybody has anxiety. It's a it's a function of our body to be anxious, to kind of think of what could happen as a result of actions we're going to take. Right. And the problem that it starts to be for your mental health is when it overrides your quality of life, right? And starts to take away from some of the positives. It ceases to be a survival mechanism and more so something that takes away from you, yeah. you thriving, yeah. right? Um, and what you had mentioned, mindfulness being one of the best ways to kind of ease some of that suffering that it can be. Um, and I, I have understood mindfulness as honing the skill to be able to be in the moment, Right. Um, anxiety being a very future-focused sort of behavior, you know, coming up with ideas and, and worries about what's going to happen. You're not really living right now. You're living in the future in this imagined scenario. I think that's so important, even more so now, like when you're on your phone, right, and any social media technology, everything always seems to be geared towards getting you to go quicker, right, getting you to think more, think ahead, right? Um and the skill of being mindful, I feel like, is is so useful, yeah. right? Especially for, for a technological age. And it's even, I think, used to, like, within technology, right? Like, there's a great series I actually found on Netflix, uh, like Headspace, that is all about every episode teaches you a different meditation and does a guided meditation with you at the end of the episode. It's, it was awesome. And that's the thing about mindfulness, talking about it doesn't do anything but you have to practice it and the headspace is a great one and so just you know the ability to be in the moment and just stop what you're doing and connect back to your body and mind and and that's like starting with the deep breathing 
Like it is really hard to shut off your brain and it is a skill and it's an important skill for, for everyone, never mind someone that's more anxious than usual. Um, so I think, yes, practicing it is very important. Um, yeah, I just, and there's one thing too, like I, I have my son who, uh, when he was 16, he, uh, you know, diagnosed himself with multiple personality disorder. And I got the call from the school and like all concerned. And I'm like, what is going on? And, you know, he was really struggling with the voices in his head. And uh, he just needed to have something to call it because he was struggling so much with it. And, you know, thank goodness he, he doesn't have it but he was even mad that he didn't have it because how could he explain all this negativity that was going on in his own head without having some reason why and that's just another kind of human nature thing our brains are wired negatively so you know it's important to recognize that and talk about that like that being normal yeah we all have these I call them gremlins uh, in our head and you know sometimes we have you know the gremlins that you know fill our fill us up and sometimes they knock us down and so I think that's so hard for the world because especially with the social media like you were talking about you know we are looking at what everybody has and and that feeds the the negativity. Going uh, a little bit back to what you're saying about how you know your son was a little bit uh, like let down by by not having the diagnosis that he had kind of um almost like attached the label to himself right because it it really to me seems like it's so useful to be able to communicate with with each other how we're feeling right and i think that's a great boon that you can get by coming to professionals right like seeking services that way regardless of if you feel better from it or not you're almost certain to pick up and expand your vocabulary in a way that you can communicate better to the people around you how you're feeling. Regardless of if, you know, you see a counselor and you walk out of it and you feel better or not, you're you're going to be able to explain better about what's going on with you. One of the the last things I wanted to to round this out with, it's been brought up to to my attention a couple times being on the youth peer support side of things. Um, some some barriers that uh, you know my parent has put up, and and I really don't think it's fair or or stuff like this. And I thought it was really useful to get um, you know a, a parent side of things of what is the balance like as a parent between wanting to afford your youth independence, kind of similar like we said at the beginning of this to make mistakes to to learn those lessons, versus maintaining authority as the parental or guardian figure. Um, when you know that risks could be a lot more than maybe a youth is is recognizing they may be, right? It seems like a very troubling balancing act to have. Mm-hmm. It is. And, and when you're talking about risk and safety, um, those are pretty hard to have a balance. Um, you know, I always uh, take a harm reduction approach, right? Like you have to be able to have conversations with your kids about what they're doing and what the the risks are and you know there is something to be said about the natural consequences for um, choices that are made you know and so making sure that you know they are taking 
those little risks so they learn the consequences, right? Actually letting them have consequences for some poor choices is a good thing, you know? Like, um, you know, you go outside without a uh, coat on and it's really cold, they're going to be cold and they might not do that again. But if you're constantly saying, hey, here's your jacket, here's your jacket, here's your jacket, they're never going to kind of learn to think that for themselves. So that's like the natural consequence and then logical consequences for behaviors. You know, if um, you have to be able to let them explore things for themselves and be there to pick them up. And I don't know that there is uh, like a one-all answer for this question because everybody's kind of on a spectrum of what that means for their themselves and their kids right there's so many things to consider you know there's there's cultural there's traditions there's all sorts of things that can play into i think almost like that that's balancing scale of of how much is afforded to to youth versus parents and stuff like that Um, Uh, just to to know that the the conflict is normal mm -hmm. and the pushback on boundaries and things are is absolutely what is supposed to be happening and so you know walking alongside um giving guidance and you know there of course there's some hard no's right you know if there's too much uh going on on social media and cutting some accounts why not that's causing risk and more risk than we even know because i mean it's kind of a you know uh never turns off yeah (laughs) so You know, we have to be the external brain for some things, right? Like, you can't give a teenager a phone and expect them to be able to manage it because they're not going to be able to. I mean, adults can barely manage it, right? Like, when we're bored, we pick up our phone because we want to be entertained or whatever. Like, nobody really wants to sit with their own feelings and stuff. It's easily distracted. So... I don't know. It's a it's a really hard balance, and I think that's where again your community comes in and talking to people, what's working for them, and you know, um, tweaking it to meet your own family needs. And I think, you know, having uh, the family dinners and open conversation and and plans of if if you do this, this is going to happen, and then the follow through yeah. <laughs> of the what you say is going to happen is super important and you know without within reason so yeah i think it another mental health buzzword kind of came to my mind when when you're talking about that and that stigma right you know and every time somebody has the courage to have an open conversation with somebody you knock the stigma around that that topic down a peg right and it's difficult being that person that kind of talks about something or brings it up that that you're finding difficult or struggling with um but it's it's opening the door for somebody else who maybe is hearing that you know in the background or, or something like that right like every time you you talk with with your parent you know as the youth perspective you're like hey this is going on for me it's really hard you know what what should i do can i have help or like i, I don't even know right like what what i want from this right mm-hmm. you know it's it's tough to have those conversations. And, and as a parent also, like I, I can't imagine how it's difficult seeing your, your kids suffer and they're not coming to you for something, right? Like it almost seems like it, it might almost be like an insult, right? Of like, oh, you're, you're struggling and you went to this person and, and not me, 
right? I mean, it's yeah. it's difficult. You don't want to be the be all end all though. Like, you know, as as parents, we want our kids to you know branch out and be the best they can be, and you can't do that. You can't be the only thing for them. It's 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 not healthy. We you know we want relationships. They're key in life. That you know, for development, how to see how other people live and, you know, that kind of worldly view that you get as you age, Mm -hmm. you know, you're saying your perspective has changed on things. So just being open to other people's perspectives and, you know, in a safe and respectful way, of course, and, uh, you know, be happy if your kid is talking to someone. Yeah. You know. And I think there's there's a lot to be said about um, youth maturing and how that affects your the relationship with their parent, right? If there is like a lot of conflict right now, you know, there's there's hurt feelings that maybe don't get mended and stuff like that. I think that as youth begin to enter into adulthood, I've certainly seen my mom as, as a completely different person, right? I feel like as a kid, yeah. your parent is your parent, yeah. right? They're almost like God of your world yeah. for a little bit. And then you start to see all the different aspects of their personality, their unique quirks and their faults and all these things that you never really realized as a kid. Um, And they become more more of a three-dimensional person that has rough edges and smooth parts and all sorts of unique things that you never realized before. I think it's for, for people that may be listening that are on the edge of that and starting to see it, I think it allows a very unique path back to having a different relationship with your parent one that can be a lot more profound than maybe when you were growing up as well because you know I think everybody thinks back to their childhood and probably a lot of parents think back to their childhood and and their you know sticking points with their own parents right Um, I think there's there's always a different path you can take in life. It might lead you to, to the same place or it could lead you somewhere else, right? But there's there's different ways to approach conversations with your, your parents about things that have happened in the past if, if you feel like they need to be resolved and there's things that are still lingering there, right? As you grow older, you know, just recognizing that people might still be willing to have those conversations. Cause... And, and kind of looking within, you know, why why are we struggling so much, you know? Like... I uh, I know that my son has come to me and apologized for his, you know, uh, behaviors as a teenager, and I've apologized apologized to him for my reactions to his behaviors because, you know, in the moment it's so hard to be cool, calm, and, you know, in the moment for a teenager to spew their venom, uh, for a parent to hear their kids say such mean things to them, like what do you mean I raised you better than this, right? I hear that a lot. Like, this is not the kid I raised, right? Like, it's like they become teenagers and it's like, who are they? But they come back, you know, and, and, you know, we are not always going to be on our best, um, you know, when we're stressed out, it impacts how we um, parent because it's really hard to deal with it so that's what I mean about the armor right like you have to kind of armor up through those teenage years and be willing to you know not take um, take it personally well I mean that that seems like a, a good kind of end piece of advice but I'll open up this last little bit before we end here about anything else that you think would be you know parting words for for caregivers who are kind of going into uh 
into battle, as it were, preparing to armor up uh, and, and help their youth through maybe some stressful times for themselves? Is there anything anything to say for them? Um, it's the long game that counts. So, you know, nobody's perfect. We're going to make mistakes. And so, you know, reaching out again to people that may have been there or who are there and, you know, kind of being open to you know, uh, those conversations because it is kind of isolating when you have teenagers, especially ones that are struggling more than an average teenager. Um, it's, it's, it's hard. And so it's, I know that when, uh, care, caregivers join my support, uh, group, they often feel like, wow, you know, you understand me. And, uh, there's just kind of this camaraderie between people that, you know, have this experience with their kids. And so, you know, the long game is important. So all the day-to-day stuff that we go through with our kids, the little conflicts, the, you know, mistakes we made and what we said or what we did or we didn't do it right or, you know, that kind of comes out in the wash later on. So I think be kind to yourself. You know, there there's lots of books, but there's no book on it. And yeah. teenagers, I think, are a different ball game than any other stage of child development. So yeah, I mean, I, I my heart goes out to all the parents, really, especially in in this day and age, having teenagers in in the last couple years. I I can't even imagine. Um, so I think we'll leave it at that. Last parting messages. Be kind to yourself. Like you said, don't forget to love each other. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode of Peers in the Pod. All right. Bye.